Good morning. Blessed to be up here. Um, if you're wondering about the seats, we had an awesome wedding last night and uh, just decided to keep it the way it is. And uh, actually, Oikos, when Oikos started, even before that, I think, if we corrected, they had this type of seating as a way to really uh, communicate that church is a family and that we're supposed to be having community together, you know. Uh, so it's a meal, right, uh, with food. And so enjoy the retro times. Um, so we're starting a new sermon series on Galatians, and I've had a really fun week just studying and reading uh, for this sermon. Um, liked a lot of the help from uh, Pastor Aaron and uh, David Adams, just people along the way that have kind of helped me tweak my thinking on this uh, topic and sermon. Um, and just God's been very present just in talking to me and really helping me um, get ready for this sermon. And so a little background about the Galatian church. Basically, what Paul is dealing with here is uh, there's a gospel that uh, is powerful, the gospel of Jesus Christ and the freedom we have in Jesus. And there's always haters, right? Always haters, you got to brush them off, right? And Paul is constantly worried, constantly focused on making sure that the precious gospel message is not uh, uh, hindered or distorted by, by people who want to focus on the law or focus on rules being our way to salvation instead of this free, beautiful, abounding grace in Jesus Christ. So that's his goal in Galatians, and he goes through that, and you'll see a very aggressive and angry Paul, I think, than in any of the other epistles. He's, he's really a fiery guy, I think, in this, in this epistle, because I, he really cares about the gospel, and he really makes, he wants to make sure that we all understand it. Um, but as far as the Galatia area, what is, what is it like? What is the climate of the place that he's writing to? I want to get into that before I get into the, the text. So Galatia actually is modern-day Turkey, that area. And before Turkey, it was Constantinople, which was the eastern, eastern province, the eastern capital of Rome. And so there's a lot of eastern philosophy, a lot of Greek influence that was pervading through the church at Galatia at that time, as well as people who were very, very uh, uh, Jewish and Torah-driven. So a lot of influences were coming into the Galatia church that Paul had to contend with. And actually, the word Galatia, if I'm correct from uh, studying this, Galatia comes from a migration of Gaelic people, the Gaels, the Gaelic, the Celtics, that we think about, where are they at now? They're in the UK, right? But actually, they migrated from the province of Constantinople and, and modern Turkey across Europe, and where they presently exist is in the UK. So you think about how people are and how they look and where they come from. You don't think about Turkish people and Irish, Scottish people having a common heritage, but actually, they do. And so the Galatians, the Gaelic people, uh, 
They, are, they live in the UK as well as in the Middle East. Crazy, right? Um, so back to this message here. So Paul here is really focused on the gospel. He wants to make sure that we know it and that we believe it and that we live it. And his main focus, I believe, is defending the fact that the gospel exists. And so in, in reading Galatians, I felt God really focusing me on really just focusing on the gospel. Like, what is the gospel? He defends it so much. He, he is so passionately uh, uh, focused on it. I, I feel like God was saying, well, let's talk about the gospel today in the midst of Galatians chapter 1. So I think a common question that we all have if we're Christians, if we're followers of God, if we're spiritually, spiritually seeking God is we want to hear from God. We want to know that what we hear from people, from culture, from our friends, is actually God and not just something we ate the night before or something like that, right? And that's a really big thing. There are a lot of voices that come in through our culture today. I mean, how do you know that what you're hearing is true or not? How do you know that when someone even says, this is from the Lord, that it actually is from the Lord? I mean, this is a big deal. And I think a, a lot of us, me included, constantly go here and, and go there because we're, we're, we're being told things that just aren't really true. So how do you know if you are hearing from God correctly? Let's go into Galatians chapter 1 and read verses 1 through 10. This letter is from Paul, an apostle. I was not appointed by any group of Paul, a people of any human authority, but by Jesus Christ himself and by God the Father who raised Jesus from the dead. All the brothers and sisters here join me in sending this letter to the churches of Galatia. May God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. Jesus gave his life for our sins. Just as God our Father planned in, order, planned in order to rescue us from this evil world in which we live. All glory to God forever and ever. Amen. I am shocked that you are turning away so soon from God who called you to himself through the loving mercy of Christ. You are following a different way that pertains to the, God, the, the good news. But it is not, but is not the good news at all. You are being fooled by those who deliberately twist the truth concerning Christ. Let God's curse fall on anyone, including us, or even an angel from heaven who preaches a different kind of good news than the one we preach to you. I say again that we have said before, if anyone preaches any other good news than the one you welcomed. Let that person be cursed. Obviously, I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but of God. If pleasing people were my goal, I would not be Christ's follower. So there's only one good news. If you are hearing it, then you are hearing from God. What is it? So, what is this good news? Does anybody have an answer they can say in like one sentence or less? What is the good news? Jesus. 
Levi, what's the good news? Okay, it's a good answer too. Jesus and God are the same, right? Anybody else? It's not me. No. Okay. Yes. Who? That sounds even better in a way. The good news is that God loves me, that Jesus loves me. So I put the good news is Jesus Christ. And you guys are all correct. Jesus loves me. He died for me. 1 John 4.1 says, Dear friends, do not believe anyone who claims to speak by the Spirit. You must test them to see if the Spirit they, ha- they have, have comes from God. For there are many false prophets in the world. This is how we know if they have the Spirit of God. If a person claiming to be a prophet acknowledges that Jesus Christ came in real body, that person is, has the Spirit of God. But if someone claims to be a prophet and does not acknowledge the truth about Jesus, that person is not from God. Such a person has the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard is coming into the world and indeed is already here. So the answer is Jesus Christ. Jesus is not just a dude that died and did cool stuff. He is love embodied. And not only just a love like, ooh, I love you, but a action love. He loved us because he died for us. But before that, he showed us how to love by how he lived, how he sacrificed, what he said, which culminated in his death and resurrection. So he does love us indeed. And the answer is, yes, it is Jesus. So this is a powerful message. It's so powerful that the enemy, Satan, and pride ambitions that we have will try to fight that message because it's the thing that will change us. It's the thing that we need to hear every day. And it, it, gives, us a, it, it gives us the answer to the question that gets us up in the morning, I think, of why should I live here? Why should I be here today? Because we have a God who loves us. Before I go further than that, though, I want to explain, I want to go further into, but why is Jesus the good news and the gospel? So he, he loves me, but why? What is the oomph behind that? You know, there are many days where I know he loves me, but I don't really feel that he loves me. And I think something has to be also believed about Jesus and his life so that I really feel that it's actually good news. So Romans 6.23, how many of you know this verse by heart? All right. It says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. So the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is in Christ Jesus. For the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. So we're born into this. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, God saved us, not because of, uh, by, by grace when we were believed, sorry, and you can't take credit for it for this. It's a gift of God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. So this is the good news. This is why Jesus is good news. Because the moment I was born, I, I had a curse on me, and that means I'm going to die. And that's not something I want to do most days. 
is die. Um, and the precursor of that is uh, I get older. Um, I age. Things, I forget things. <laughs> even now, some of you are like, dude, dude, you're like 34. You're not that old yet, all right? But even now, the curse of death is upon me. It's upon all of us. And it's, the, it's because of sin. It's because of the natural de- desire for us to rebel against God that's in us. When I think about that, this is a kind of a hard question, but I think about um, just little children. They're a blessing. But just from the start, we come out of the womb worrying about our needs and ourself. It's just a natural thing. We're born into this. And we have to learn throughout our life, through maturity, through guidance, that there's a better way through Jesus Christ for us to live, but that ultimately we have to die to that way to embrace Christ. So Jesus came to take that away. We have to believe that we have an inherent flaw in us. We see it every day in the news. We see it. It's not hard to believe that. But that Jesus, through his resurrection, through his death, takes that away from me. And we have life through that. But here's one more thing. The good news is not just about me. It's about bigger than me. It's about creation itself. So John 3, 16 and 17. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. So there's this bigger thing to the gospel. So it's about me being saved from my sin, but it's also about God redeeming the entire world from this problem, all of creation from this problem. So it's a problem that is saturated throughout all of what we can imagine exists. All creation is falling. And God has come through Jesus Christ to deal with it, to deal with it. And so there's like frustration over anything from traffic on I-10 to to the bills not coming in to, to... your child is sick, to the emotional pain you feel, to fighting going on in the Middle East, or terrorist attacks here in the, in the U.S. He came to deal with that. That's what the good news is. And so I think that it's only good news if you're aware that we need something outside of ourselves. Romans 8, 19, and 20. Against its will, all creation was subject to God's curse. With eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. So we're under this curse. When did the curse start? When did it begin? In the, in the garden? Yeah? Started there. So we're still under it. And we're all yearning for that redemption that comes to Jesus Christ.
Sorry. Jesus has come to free humans from sin if we receive him, and Jesus is coming again to eliminate sin from all of existence. This is the gospel and therefore the good news. So when you feel that, you really want, uh, you really want that to be, to be true, and you really want that to happen. Galatians 3, 12 through 13. This way of faith is very different from the way of law, which says, it is through obeying the law that a person has life. For Christ has, come, has rescued us from the curse pronounced by the law. When he was hung on the cross, he took upon himself the curse of our wrongdoing. For it is written in the scriptures, cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. So even the way he died fulfills this beautiful like, plan of redemption of creation. Like he was hung on a tree. Like that meant something. And so some of us think that, oh man, you know, that part God wasn't aware of, that him being hung on a tree isn't, isn't really a, a, a part of what happened. God turned away, but even that was a part of God's plan in some mysterious way to take on this, this shame of creation, this curse, and put it on him. But I want to get into, uh, so what does this curse look like more specifically? What is the law? Rules we follow to save ourselves. Biblically is the Torah. The Torah is the Old Testament. But in daily life, it can be anything we put in place of God. That's our law. It could be a job. It can be health. It can be relationships, ideas, really good ideas that seem awesome and make everything make sense. It can be our beliefs, religion, hobbies, anything. Just think about it. Whatever you can think about that you say, you know, this is what's going to make my life have meaning, and it's going to free me from my burdens and my struggles. And all I got to do is just do this really hard every day. That's the law to you, and that's the curse if you believe that. And, and Jesus has come to free us of that. You don't have to get up and be super, Superman or Superwoman or Wonder Woman to, tomorrow. Jesus is there. He's there. So I rarely believe this, and I'm a dirty sinner, so here's my story. Starbucks. So last Thursday, I was writing this sermon um, at a Starbucks here in town off of Yale. And every day when I go in there, I notice there's a homeless man that comes in there pretty regularly. Um, and uh, it was raining outside that day. And so it was a little bit like damp and wet. And I think he was kind of damp and wet. <laughs> so he comes in and sits down. Out of all the places right next, right next to me. And I, I have my earbuds in. I got my laptop. I'm, I'm pumping out a sermon, you know, doing God's will up in here. And uh, he, he sits down next to me, 
And there's a, there's a grater between me and him, like a, a design grater, but it's, he's right there. And he, he, he leans over and he goes, how are you faring with the weather outside? And I know that was more of a question for him because he's been outside a lot longer than I was. So I was like, well, I was like, well, I'm sorry. I mean, I was, I was kind of acting like I wasn't hearing him because I was like, I'm, I'm busy here. But he, but he said it again. I said, how, he said, how are you faring with the weather outside? And I was, I said, I'm faring well. Thankfully, the, the rain is no longer pouring, and it's, it stopped. He goes, ah, yeah. So then I noticed that one of the baristas brought some food over to him. It was like some oatmeal from Starbucks. And then an hour later, they brought him a ham, egg, and cheese croissant. And I was getting hungry. I was like, man, I kind of want that croissant. And the words that the, the barista said are in my mind. He said, here you go, sir, your ham, egg, and cheese croissant, just how you like it every day. He was like, oh, thank you. I'm like, man, this guy has it going on, you know? I should be homeless. <laughs> but God convicted me right there in that moment because what he was showing me was the kindness that you were resisting to give this homeless man because you're so focused on your, on your sermon or being a, a good Christian and all that stuff. Like this barista just did it right there in front of you. As you're working on your sermon right now, this is the good news right here that I'm showing you right now. So I'm saved by faith, not because of uh, me being a good person. So it doesn't matter if you're sitting up here preaching or you're in the seat there or whatever you're doing, it's not what we do that saves us. It's faith in Christ. In that moment, God helped me prepare. He was like, yeah, believe this. You only save through faith because you're a sinner. But just believe that and embrace that. Titus 3, 4 through 6 says, but after sharing some things about what we don't do, he says, but when God our Savior reveals his kindness and love, he saved us not because of righteous things we have done, but because of his mercy. He saved us by washing away our sins, giving us new birth and new life through the Holy Spirit. He generously poured out the Spirit upon us through Jesus Christ, our Savior. No! We need to pray over her. She's visiting the Word of God right now. No, I don't want to hear this gospel. It is a lavish thing the gospel. So this blessed good news is what Paul is trying to defend to the Galatians. This good news that we don't deserve any of this stuff, but we get it, is what he's saying. I'm, it's worth defending right now. So what, was, what were they talking about other than this? They were saying, okay, the good news is cool, but you need to go back and circumcise yourself. Yeah, that'll make you a better Christian. Some Jews were coming up and spreading some things 
that we're saying. It's not about grace and faith to just believe. It's just, it's that and do this. But if we do that, that extra thing, it takes away from all of it. I want to finish off Galatians chapter 1, verse 11. Dear brothers and sisters, I want you to understand that the gospel message I preach is not based on mere human reasoning. I receive my message from no human source, and no one taught me. Instead, I received it by direct revelation from Christ Jesus. You know what I was like when I followed this Jewish religion, how I violently persecuted God's church. I did my best to destroy it. I was far ahead of my fellow Jews in my zeal for the traditions of my ancestors. But even before I was born, God chose me and called me by his marvelous grace. Then it pleased him to reveal his, his son to me so that I would proclaim the good news about Jesus to the Gentiles. That's us, unless you're Jewish. When this happened, I did not rush out to consult with any human being, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to consult with those who were apostles before I was. Instead, I went away into Arabia, and later I returned to the city of Damascus. Then, three years later, I went to Jerusalem to get to know Peter, and I stayed with him for 15 days. The only, one, only other apostle I met at that time was James, the Lord's brother. I declare before God that what I am telling to you is not a lie. After that visit, I went north into the provinces of Syria and Sicilia, and still the churches in Christ that are in Judea didn't know me personally. All they knew was that people were saying, the one who used to persecute us is now preaching the very faith he tried to destroy. The one that used to persecute us is now preaching the very faith that he sought to destroy. And they praise God because of me. So why is Paul so passionate about preserving the gospel? Only the power of God, power of the gospel can make a man change from persecuting Jesus to defending Jesus' good news to the Galatian church. That was his legacy. He was Paul, the persecutor, you know? That was his job. But he totally turned it all around. What could make someone do that? Only the gospel. Romans 1.16, For I am not ashamed of the good news for, uh, about Jesus Christ. It is the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes, the Jew first, and also the Gentile. It is the power of God, the gospel is, that saves everyone if you believe it, not if you do something else and believe it. If you just believe it. That's what made him turn around. It can make us turn around. Even if you're already a believer, even if you were confirmed, even if you were baptized as a child, we still can turn. We still can turn. So a question for all of us and myself, 
Have you received Jesus into your, to your life? Are you constantly surrendering yourself to him daily? Have you received him? And are you constantly surrendering yourself to the Lord, putting your sword down every day? So Jesus talks about this and the importance of this daily submission because it actually gives us happiness that we seek so much in this life. In Luke 9, verse 23 to 26, he says, Then he said to the crowd, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross daily, and follow me. Basically, execute yourself daily follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will, sa- you will save it. Ironically, you will save it. And what you benefit, what will you benefit if you gain the whole world but are yourself lost or destroyed? If anyone is ashamed of me and my message, the Son of Man will be ashamed of that person when he returns in his glory and the glory of the Father and the holy angels. I tell you the truth, some standing right here now will not die before they see the kingdom of God. And that was like 2,000 plus years ago. So like, where is this kingdom? It's right here. In this same space, you can be annoyed by the children making noise, like I have been sometimes. (laughs) Or you can see that that is the kingdom of God. That is God proclaiming life everlasting. It's it's just how you want to see it. But the way to see the latter is through the Holy Spirit, something that we have to receive. So back to the question. How do you hear from the Lord? Here's how. If you are hearing the gospel as you read, worship, pray, and have fellowship with others, then you are hearing from God. If you are hearing the gospel, that we are sinners saved by grace and grace alone in Jesus Christ, and that he has given that to all of us in anything you do, and reading and praying and fellowshipping, riding your bike, eating a hamburger, whatever it is, in anything you do, then you're hearing from the Word. You're hearing from God. And if you're not hearing that, then it's not God. It's not God. It's not God. There are a lot of things that sound really good that aren't God. Because it doesn't talk about the risen, the risen Savior that redeems us from our sin. That's the only thing we need to know. And it changes everything. The gospel, this gospel, this message, is what Paul is proclaiming and defending in his letter to, to the Galatians. Do you believe it? Do you receive it? And I would add, 
Are you willing to also defend it? Because it's, it's worth it. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father God, thank you so much for being who you are. You looked down upon us. You looked down upon all of creation and you saw our, our mess. You saw our busyness. You saw our activity. You saw our plans. You saw our worries. And he said, I'm going to go down there and fix it. You didn't make us go up on this holy hill. You didn't require us to do all these actions and feats. He said, I'm going to go down there and I'm going to fix this. If only they would believe in me. That I actually did come here. The grave actually is open. The body is not found. And that your words do give life. May we receive this today, Lord. Thank you for raising up so many apostles to defend this gospel in ancient times and so many modern-day followers of Christ that live it and defend it and how they live and how they act and what they say and do. May we continue to embrace your gospel every day. May we take on your call every day to die to self and walk like Jesus. May I do this every day through your grace, through your Holy Spirit, and through your word. And may we then experience the kingdom of God every day as well, from now and for eternity. Amen.